1: Good morning. My name is Victor, and I'll be your conference operator today at this time. I would like to welcome everyone to the Ritchie Brothers Auctioneers' second quarter conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during the time, simply press star, then one on your telephone keypad. If you'd like to withdraw your question, please press the pound key. Thank you. Now, I will turn the call over to Mr. Samir Rathod, Vice President of Investor Relations and Market Intelligence, to open the conference call. Mr. Rathod, you may begin your conference.
2: Hello, and good morning. And thank you for joining us on today's call to discuss our second quarter 2021 results. Joining me today are Ann Fandesi, our Chief Executive Officer, Sharon Disco, our Chief Financial Officer, as well as other members of the management team who will be available for the Q&A portion of this call. The following discussion will include forward-looking statements. Comments that are not a statement of fact, including projections of future earnings, revenue, gross transaction value, and other items are considered forward-looking and involve risks and uncertainties. The risks and uncertainties that could cause our actual and operating results to differ significantly from our forward-looking statements are detailed in our SEC and Canadian securities filing available on our investor relations website, investor.richeygrowth.com. We encourage you to review our earnings release and Form 10-Q, which are available on our website, as well as Edgar and Cedar. On this call, we will discuss certain non-GAAP financial measures. For the identification of non-GAAP financial measures, the most directly comparable GAAP financial measures and the reconciliation between the two, see our earnings release in Form 10Q. Presentation slides accompany our commentary today. These slides can be viewed through the live or recorded webcast or downloaded from our website. All figures discussed on today's calls are US dollars, unless otherwise indicated. I will now turn the call over to Ann Fantuzzi.
3: Thank you, Samir, and good morning to everyone joining our call today. First, I would like to start the call by thanking our team members on their continued vigilance. The COVID-19 variants have been challenging for so many regions across the world, and as we traverse the pandemic, we continue to look for ways to support our communities. Our top priority is the health and safety of our customers and team members, and continuing to follow the best practices and updating our protocols based on regional or local recommendations. Our omnichannel platform continued to deliver strong outcomes for our customers with bids per lot sold increasing 9% and used equipment pricing remaining robust. This translated to solid financial results for shareholders with total service revenue increasing 8%. We believe this is a critical measure of performance and growth trajectory to which we have committed. As a strong signal of our continued confidence we are increasing our quarterly dividend approximately 14% to 25 cents. You don't need me to tell you that this is an unprecedented environment as we have noted in the past few quarters. We are seeing a tight supply environment caused by low inventory levels and continued supply chain issues, hampering OEM's production levels. While a tight market is not good from a supply perspective, we are seeing very positive signs from new customers entering our ecosystem. And while the equipment availability will certainly open back up, we believe these new customers will remain having experienced Ritchie Brothers for the first time. That said, we see the current dynamic of tight equipment as a point in time event, and we continue to move forward and control our own destiny. For us, this starts and stops with serving our customers. We always remember that our omnichannel platform exists for the benefit of our customers, both sellers and buyers. Throughout the pandemic, sellers have needed us to take care, custody, and control of their equipment in the physical world, while driving transactions for buyers in the virtual world. We are now hearing from our customers once again that they crave a return to some type of normalcy. A face-to-face interaction with our sales teams, our operations teams, as well as each other. To that end, we are pleased to announce that we are welcoming customers back to our yards for auction day and night before social activities at select larger events. This is very important to our customers, and these events will bring back the opportunity for them to interact with the Ritchie Brothers team. To be clear, our yards have been open the entire duration of the pandemic and have been busier than ever with inspections, drop-offs, pickups, etc. Some activities, like ramping, will be a thing of the past as we have learned how to better showcase our equipment digitally and allow buyers same-day pickup, which ramping largely precluded. As always, we will continue to listen and learn and continue to evolve our business based on our customers' needs and technology-enabled innovations. One way we are controlling our destiny is through our accelerated growth pillar. We have been closely analyzing our satellite yard pilots internationally, and we have been impressed across the board with how they are doing. We started to scale the learnings in the quarter by launching six locations in the US under the satellite yard strategy, with more to come in the next few quarters. Moving to IMS, we are building an industry leading inventory management system that will help our customers make decisions and allow us to simplify our workflow by making it more digital, automated, and scalable. Our evolution to a marketplace is a journey, which begins with activating organizations in the IMS, much like a gateway. Future phases will include monitoring and driving assets per organization, then services provided and monetized per each of those assets, all resulting in a final KPI of revenue growth. You see here our current thinking of future KPIs we will release around IMS, while 2021 will focus on organizational activations. These metrics over time will ultimately allow you to go from the organizations to total assets, to total transactions, to revenue generated, by multiplying them together. We launched our business IMS product late last year, and in the second quarter, the number of organizations that activated on our platform increased 34% from Q1 to Q2. While this implies a very large annual growth trajectory, we are still learning from our customers and are excited about the journey we are on, both with our customers and our partners. After Sharon discusses our financials, I will talk about how we are executing against our strategic pillars and outlook, and then we will move to Q&A. And now, over to Sharon.
4: Thank you, Anne.
0: Overall, GTV increased 2%, with puts and takes across FX tailwinds, auction shift headwinds, and equipment mix. We see this level of GTV as an overall good result given how tight the U.S. supply market is. Although auction sales days are up, this reflects the addition of smaller timed auction lot events, but three larger events that shifted into Q1 caused a $52 million drag on GTV performance. Normalizing to remove the impact of shifts in the auction calendar, Q2 GTV growth is 6%, equal to our year-to-date GTV growth performance of 6%. Our first half GTV growth is well above our volume performance in 2020, which posted a decline of 1% during the same timeframe, and double the growth of our first half performance in pre-pandemic conditions during first half of 2019. Again, overall a good result, given how tight the used equipment supply market is in the U.S. In addition, as we evolve to a marketplace, we have provided additional disclosure in our 10Q this quarter on the transactions that we facilitate for retail and peer-to-peer private auction events and equipment sales transactions in exchange for hosting fees. In the second quarter, customers that use this service disposed of $36 million of assets, which is an increase of over 155% over prior year. Although total reported revenue increased only 2%, we are very pleased with our total service revenue growth of 8%, and we continue to think that this measure of total service revenue growth is the best indicator of overall top-line performance for our business model and most reflective of underlying business trends in the quarter. Despite cycling over our COVID protocols and our pivot to 100% online bidding last year, we managed to keep total operating expenses in line with revenue growth and delivered operating income growth of 1% and adjusted EPS growth of 2%, to 55 cents in the quarter. Auction and marketplace service revenue grew 6%, with a and service revenue as a percentage of total GTV coming in at a robust 13.8% for the quarter. It is important to note once again that contract mix can significantly skew total revenue growth depending on consigners' preference for how the deals are structured. That said, Inventory sales tend to be lumpy, and they declined 7%, driven by weakness in the U.S. and Canada, offset by strength in our international region. Overall, we are pleased with our revenue rate performance, as both profit on inventory sales and service revenues improved versus prior year. Total operating expenses increased only 2% year-on-year in line with total GTV and total revenue growth. I would like to note that all operating expense categories, except cost of goods sold, increased due to the Rouse Services acquisition that has not yet cycled past its December acquisition date. Also, all categories were impacted year-on-year by higher foreign exchange currency movements in three of our major markets of operation. While we don't break out FX impact by line item, it is important to note that we are naturally hedged given our geographically distributed operational structure for both revenue and cost. And overall, FX had a slightly positive impact on the bottom line in the quarter. The reduction in cost of goods sold is in line with the quarter decline in inventory revenue and delivered an improved profit rate, as previously mentioned. Costs of services remained flat to last year, supporting an 8% increase in service revenue growth. This despite operating with a higher number of sales days, easing COVID protocols, and significant FX pressure. And mentioned that we are welcoming back customers on auction day at a select event, and we do expect our cost of services to increase to reflect that in coming quarters. Although the key message here is that even with these addbacks, we do expect a permanent level of cost savings going forward. I would highlight that cost of services is down approximately 22% since 2019, with GTV being roughly flat in the same timeframe. SG&A investments to drive revenue growth, most notably the addition of the Rouse Services Team and continued investment in Ritchie Brothers Financial Services, did lead to higher levels of SG&A compared to last year. In addition, there was a significant FX impact included in these costs, and we are starting to see some increases in travel-related expenses as our team gets back out onto the road. I would like to note that we expect our SG&A run rate to be closer to these 2Q levels compared to last year given these changes. At the end of the quarter, our balance sheet and liquidity remain in a very strong position, providing an excellent foundation to support our growth initiatives, and we are pleased to announce a 14% increase in our quarterly dividend to 25 cents delivering on our stated capital allocation priorities of growing dividends as earnings grow. And with that, let me pass it back over to Anne.
3: Thanks, Sharon. I am very pleased that the progress we are making on our new strategy to becoming the trusted global marketplace for insights, services, and transaction solutions for commercial assets. On this side, you can see all of the achievements of the past 90 days. The only other call out that I would like to make here is that we are enhancing the safety programs for our field employees, which to me personally is very important. Now turning to current trends and outlook. There is no change in our view here. We still see the environment as dynamic and our tone and outlook remain cautiously optimistic. Let me reiterate that we see the current environment as a point in time, and we are structurally improving this business for the long-term through our strategy. That said, as you think about the third quarter, we are facing some pretty difficult comps. Recall that our third quarter call last year, we saw a release of pent-up supply due to COVID disruptions with a resulting GTV growth of 22%. With that operator, Please open the line for questions.
4: As a reminder, to ask a question,
1: you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. And to withdraw your question, press the pound key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster.
4: Our first question comes from the line of Michael Domet from Scotia Bank. You may begin. Oh, hey, okay, good morning. Uh, so, maybe thanks for the commentary, um, and I, I guess I, I look forward to the KPIs on the IMS. Um, if, if we
5: can frame the microservices um, at a high level for now, any way you can help us think about the ramp up um, in the revenues in 2022 and beyond? I mean, will it be a slow start and an acceleration in the outer years, and
6: uh, how should we
5: you know, think about the, um, the margins uh, of those associated revenues?
3: Yeah, Michael, so it's Anne. Hello. Uh, yeah, we are, we are very, very excited about uh, where we are with IMS. And just as a reminder for everyone, you know, we look at the world as in our control and out of our control, you know, tight out of our control. Uh, all of the underlying things we're doing uh, to build an incredibly uh, healthy company and organization and drive our technology uh, to the marketplace, 100% in our control. So just to put things in perspective, the 34% increase in organizations focused on for this quarter uh, kind of is an annualized number of north of 300% growth. Now, do we think that's a steady state? No, but it's a signal of, you know, just how very, very compelling it is. So then, just as, as you said, Michael, we're, we are then going to... Uh, move our attention to, okay, that's all the organizations signing up. Now, what is the usage, right? What are the assets in the system? What's our attachment rate of services to the assets? And I'm about to get to your question. And then, um, uh, you know, obviously then the resulting revenue. Um, It's interesting to think about services. So when Sharon and I in December put out our evergreen model, even there, we were very clear that the uh, services revenue growth would be a couple of percentage points above revenue growth, which we committed uh, to be, uh, you know, um, high, uh, high single digits, low double digits. That's still our commitment. Um, it, what you can expect to see over time, I think the best guidance we can give is that that delta, that gap will continue to widen. Right As we provide more and more services dispersed and apart from the GTV that's coming through our auction channels, which will always be important, uh, be they reserve, reserved and reserved, so on and so forth, that gap, that growth rate. So you know, for modeling purposes, uh, you know if you are uh, steady state as high single digit, low double digit I'm kind of the GTV based business, then you kind of keep growing two point delta and then higher and higher, um, as as the attachment of services is unrelated to the underlying GTD. But our commitment is just like we were showing the organizations now, that's what we're looking at. as we start getting the asset focus and we start doing the attachment, we'll be putting those out as well so that you guys can see that live and in person. The last part of the answer to your question is we've been very clear that these services that we're providing, are going to come in the form of Richie Brothers services, but also third parties, uh, you know, partnering with, you know, dealers and, uh, um, you know, other partners in our ecosystem to offer services on their behalf, um, you know, to our end customers.
4: Very comprehensive answer. Thank you, Anne. My pleasure. Our next question will come from line of Craig Kennison.
1: From Baird, you may begin.
4: Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my question.
6: It's really on infrastructure and sort of government policy, but I'm wondering if there's anything in the U.S. infrastructure spending bonanza that might trigger more activity on your platform, anything you would call out there?
3: Yeah, Craig, so, uh, you know, that uh, that is a, we view this as a very exciting time. So let's just all take a step back again here for a second. So the environment is tight. We know this. Sooner or later, it's going to catch up, right? So the OEMs originally, when all of this started, and I'm telling you guys everything that you already know, we all heard this together. Uh, When this started, the OEMs came forward and said, hey, don't worry about it. We will catch up in the first half of 2021. Um, And then since then, they've come out saying, wow, you know, it's going to take us a little bit longer. But one thing we know for sure is they're going to catch up. Okay, so that's, that's one thing we know. The other thing we know is equipment is aging the equipment that is out there continues to age. So, there's no question that it's going to come forward and is going to have to be replenished. And then the infrastructure bill that's coming forward is only going to increase uh, demand. So, we view these things as highly favorable tailwinds, um, you know, uh, giving us a lot of confidence. That's part of why, you know, we're increasing the dividend. We're we're seeing very uh, positive trends. We remain cautiously optimistic because we just don't know how long this point in time will last, but we know it's going to go away and the equipment's older and the infrastructure spending uh, is coming and only means goodness for Ritchie Brothers because when equipment turns, um, you know, we benefit on both sides of that equation.
6: Thanks. And then just shifting gears to the IMS, I would think that You've got a couple of drivers. One being Rouse, which is great data that would help your prospective clients, and then the other being the return to live human interaction at these auctions. How are you
4: leveraging those tools to drive more uh,
3: activations on IMS? Yeah, and and uh, this is why <laughs> this is why the growth rate continues to move up and up. You know, we have said uh, that we are a sales-driven organization. Uh, And so interaction with our customers is paramount to what we do and how we do it. And it's not just, hey, what do we have for the next sale? It really, now with IMS in place, um, it really is more about let me become that trusted advisor that you guys have heard us talk about. Now we have a tool uh, in our salespeople's hands to do that. So, Um, What IMS is becoming for our sales organization is just an input tool for our customers that they can uh, help them with. Uh, Let me explain what I mean and then the return to live, and again, really for the purposes of customer interactions, um, I'll talk about in a second. So where before, let's say you have, you know, 100 uh, pieces of equipment on your yard um, and our salespeople work with you to put, let's say, eight into the next sale, now the conversation is all about hey let's let's put that aid in through the IMS let us show you all of the data the richness and the single button click to then push it into the various channels the Ritchie Brothers be it marketplace e for reserved um, you know uh, unreserved or uh, you know the weekly featured auctions with Iron Planet how easy it is but the richness of the data that we can provide on all of your hundred pieces becomes very very clear and evident and it's really that process um, that our sales organization is embarking on and, you know, very, very successfully um, uh, as you see the numbers growing. Uh, In terms of return to live, this was interesting. And, you know, again, just as a sharing. So, you know, customers uh, would say to us, when are you guys going to reopen up and um, Jim Kessler, who you guys will meet uh, in a little while, he's our uh, chief operating officer. You haven't heard from him, but he's, uh, he's on this call. He joined us during COVID. Uh, basically kicked off a campaign uh, to uh, jump on calls with as many customers as we can with the sales organization uh, to talk about what does reopening mean? I mean, we've been open the whole time, right? We're open. You can drop off equipment. We're open. You can pick up equipment. We've inspected it. We're selling it. we're selling it very successfully online. What does reopen mean? And what became very, very clear through those conversations it's it's the interaction that is what they're missing, and that's what Richie Brothers is so great at, and now it's not just interactions for you know the next sale and growth, which is of course is very important to us, but now the interactions are around the data, the richness. Let me show you what i m s can do for you. Uh, so we are very excited to bring customers back, uh, have them interact with our sales folks, and show them uh, all of the tools at their disposal and the breadth of Ritchie Brothers.
4: Great. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question will come from the line of Sherilyn Radborn from TD Securities. You may begin.
0: Thanks very much, and good morning. Um was hoping you could speak to the changes that you made to your buyer fee structures during the quarter. Um, it just doesn't feel like it's been very long since the company last increased buyer fees.
3: Hi, Sherilyn. It's Sam. Let me kick off, and then I'll turn it over to Sharon. So the way to think about buyer fees, I, I, you know, it, it hasn't really been a normal practice in Richie Brothers the way it actually is in most other, excuse <clears> me, <throat> companies around the world. So the way we think about all fees is the way that, uh, you know, all companies think about pricing, where once a year, twice a year, you just take a look at the competitive landscape and you say, where are you with your offering vis-a-vis, where are others? And, uh, you know, this is a practice we're going to engage in regularly uh, as a company, uh, you know, uh, that operates in a competitive landscape. And whatever that tells us, uh, we will react. Right, so we saw an opportunity uh, that in fact there were parts of our business where we were, you know, uh, as for sure a premium service provider uh, actually charging less than some of our competitors. We saw an opportunity to um, increase those prices uh, to become more competitive, and we did. We are going to be doing that analysis at a minimum annually. Uh, so whatever it tells us, and the reason I say that is if it shows us the market is actually lowering prices, we'll react that way. Increasing will react the other the other way as we recently did. But it, this will be more matter, of course. Um, Sharon, would you add anything?
0: Yeah, uh, Sherilyn, I think what I would add is also just with the strength in pricing that we realized, we were starting to see that some of those smaller items um, were moving up the grid in pricing um, in terms of fee rate um, unexpectedly. And so to keep that kind of mix the right way, um, probably the best way to think about it is we just um, changed our tiers to basically keep pace with um, current pricing and inflation um, that we were seeing in those smaller categories. Um, And, uh, you know, again, as as Anne said, pricing is a journey. Uh, We will continue to kind of look at this um, mix, both against um, how other competitors are using pricing on on the buy side um, and also just related to the mix of what we're selling. Okay. So it sounds like those tiers, you know, in in a different used equipment pricing environment might need to be moved back down at some point. Is that fair? It could be I think up. all I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. Up or down? Yeah, yeah. I, I was just going to say the way to think about it is items that used to be in the ten thousand dollar range, um, the price was taking it up. So to capture those, we we escalated that tier. Um, we will look at it in terms of whether it, it requires to be taken up or down according to the market that we're in. Okay, that's helpful. Um, can you also speak to how a very tight environment is impacting Ritchie Brothers, and I guess, you know, just the mobility of
3: used equipment generally. Yeah, so Sherilyn, uh, that is actually part of the headwinds facing us. So when we say tight supply environment, we mean the supply chain. (laughs) So it's both the production, it's the microchips, it's the the shipping constraint, it's the COVID uh, lockdown protocols. When we say tight supply, that's across the board. We're feeling it. Um, Again, in our control and out of our control. So that is out of our control. We're feeling it for sure. What we are driving, separate and apart from all of the pillars and the technology enhancements um, that you guys saw with IMS, um, I I did not mention, but it is on the chart that Richie List will be bringing a listing service in Q4. So again, just filling out. Uh, the vision for the marketplace real time, which is very much in our control, we're also driving the underlying productivity levers of our uh, auction business. So what does that mean? Uh, We're monitoring very closely the the items that our sales folks are are selling. So even though the mix is down and the GTV, the, the corresponding GTV is down as well, we see that our sales organization is actually much more productive. So they're getting more contracts per head. Uh, Similarly, in the operations side of the organization, as the mix is down and we have a lot older and smaller equipment, that actually means a lot more equipment in our yards for them to process, and they're doing an incredible job driving productivity there as well. So supply chain issues broadly uh, affecting us a great deal, uh, but the underlying business that we're driving so that when those things become a, a thing of the past, uh, fundamentally get us to a different kind of growth rate, we feel very, very good about.
4: Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of uh, Michael
5: Feniger
1: from Bank of America. You may begin.
5: Hey, guys. Thanks for uh, taking my question. Sharon, it was very helpful with the, the color on the SG&A run rate closer to, to Q2, um with with q3 i mean maybe you can help us you you kind of talked about a little bit but how do we look at that cost of service line you know in q2 it was flat even down a little bit i I feel like we've always kind of looked at that cost of service line relative to to gtv growth or, or gtv but obviously the comps are a little strange because of last year and you guys are kind of returning back to normal any type of you know, help proxy you can kind of provide us there and how to think about these other cost of uh, services or
4: expenses outside of just the SGMA? Uh,
0: sure. Thanks, Michael. Um, yeah, I think what Ann was referring to in terms of um, kind of that change to sale day, that we've certainly seen some activities um, that have added value, um, some of the changes that we've made on sale day in covid Um, have added value to the buyers by having less equipment moving through the yards. So technically, those ramping costs um, that where we would have brought in additional part-time labor uh, to be able to facilitate that activity in the yards, we're expecting that that cost um, will stay at current levels. Um, And albeit we may add it back into a few of our premier events, um, that that is really the benefit to the buyer outweighs um, and, and also the safety of both customers and employees um, outweighs the cost benefit of, of bringing that back in. So so I think we're seeing permanent reductions in that cost of services space. I would say that the other change um, that, that's kind of happening is those cost of service definitions are things that really only are incurred based on the event. As we start to flip um, kind of to always on um, through the marketplace, you may start to see some of that kind of cost of service marketing type activity that we would have done that was very site and event specific. Start to shift a little bit more into SGNA over time um, as we move to that kind of always on positioning. Um but that would be a relatively minor clip in the great scheme of things. It really is the more permanent reduction that, that we would see in those in those um kind of service expenses.
5: That's that's helpful. And Sharon, any visibility right now on on GTV? I mean I think this is you know kind of the question right now. I mean July obviously is a smaller month. Um, you know, your G T V is kind of flatish flattish in a way versus 2020 in Q2, but also 2019. So I guess you're just trying to level set and gauge what we're kind of looking at in, in the third quarter. Anything you could provide us, calendar days, number of auctions that you're, that you're looking at here, um, anything you know in the comp last year we should be aware of, just color to kind of help us level set for, for, for this tough comp in the third
6: quarter.
0: Yeah. So why don't I start and then I can throw it back to Anne. Um, you know, clearly as Anne mentioned in her remarks, we are up against uh, I think a plus 22% GTV growth in Q3. It is a very small quarter, so that will be difficult to comp. Um, that being said, we did announce we do have a very large um, sale that that we are planning. So I think um, hard to give direction. We don't um, we don't give forecasts. Um, unfortunately, on a go-ahead, as you know, um, but, you know, I think that probably safe to say that it would not be at kind of our first half levels, um, but I think that's all we'll say.
5: Understood. And then just, Anne, I know you said this is a point in time when we talk about these transitory issues. Are you, are you confident that at least in 2022, are we, are we back to the Evergreen model type of targets and algorithm there?
3: Yeah, so that's the crystal ball of the set. so I I want to say yes, but again, the, the, from from our standpoint, things that we're in control of, which is the underlying productivity of our sales associates, our operations staff, what's happening with IMS, what's happening with the broader marketplace, what's happening, our confidence is through the roof. The thing we're not in control of is kind of this OEM, we'll call it supply chain. Again, so I just bring us back to we're watching avidly what the OEMs are saying in, in terms of catch up. They certainly are giving confidence that this is a this calendar year problem. Uh, so we are hearing that with everybody else. Um, you know, I'm a little once bitten, twice shy where we were hearing it's a first half problem, and now that problem continues. So I'm watching very cautiously the production numbers, the shipment numbers, the inventory, a the dealer number leading indicators for what's happening again the thing we know for sure that that equipment as it's not getting flipped out is aging it will need to get flipped and the infrastructure bill coming um is only going to get uh, is only going to mean more movement of equipment so we are very optimistic and when we think about q three as sharon said in the first half um you know we were up six percent because again there was ebbs and flows and fx and you know some sales happening in Q1 that didn't happen in Q2, you know, those types of things. So kind of plus 6%. Um, so feeling reasonably good about Q1, uh, very good with the backdrop of a tight supply environment, reasonably good overall. Um, you know, Q3 has a problem. It's a premium problem, but the problem is the comp of coming against a 22% increase in the last year. Um, you know, we, we were, again, the things we're very confident on is we know our sales folks are on we know we're driving incredible price recovery for our uh customers now the issue is going to be will there be enough inventory moving hands at all uh to make the numbers work
4: thank you our next question comes from the line of Gary
1: Prestopino from Barrington Research you may be and
4: um
5: could you um maybe remind us of some of the benefits of these satellite yards versus your standard yards that you have in the U.S. and
2: international markets?
3: Yeah, let me kick off and then I'm going to introduce Jim Kessler to you guys if you haven't met Jim. Um, So the whole idea behind satellite yards is a test, to be clear. Uh, By Mm -hmm. definition, tests mean we don't know what the answer is going to be when we embark uh, but the answers we received from International were so positive that now we're moving back to North America. And just as a reminder, it's all about getting yards closer, making us easier to do business with um, uh, customers, and making it easier for them to hand us their equipment. But with that, Jim, want to take us through it?
7: Yeah, and I think, um, hey, Gary, it's Jim. Um Thanks. And I think you 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 really covered it. It's really getting closer to our customers, cutting out some transportation costs as we're going through this process. And then for Ritchie Brothers, internally, the smaller yards um, as we're adding the GTV, um, a better flow through, making us more efficient as we're going through it. But really for the focus on our customer to get closer to them, become more efficient, Um, And so far as we're seeing the KPIs, we're definitely seeing um, GTB per square foot increase and seeing a very good flow through compared to our larger um, yards that we have.
4: So, would the goal be to, uh, realizing these are a test, but the goal would be to look at these yards and say we're going to open
5: them in secondary or tertiary markets away from major major, uh, U.S. cities? just to make it easier for some entities to get their equipment to you?
7: It it could be that, but also think about very populated areas along the East Coast where traffic and other constraints just make it difficult to transport equipment. So I Mm -hmm. I wouldn't think about it just as secondary and third kind of markets, um, but think Mm -hmm. about it where there's just a limitation towards transportation and it could be east coast west coast
4: um this model could work very well where you have a hub and spokes around the hub okay thank you our next question comes from the line of larry Demaria
1: from william blair you may begin
6: okay thanks good morning everybody um just going back to uh, like a prior question here, yeah, we understand you have a tough comp in 3Q, but can you actually give us the auction day comp year-over-year year and sequentially in percentages? And related to the third quarter, should SG&A be lower year-over-year year, uh, because of the year-over-year know, year comp challenges? Or with travel coming back, it might actually be up? So can you give us some
4: color on, on that as well? Thanks. Yeah, Sharon, do you want
3: to kick off, and I'll pick up after that?
0: uh sure, so um I think you know we we haven't provided auction days. um I will point out if you look on um kind of the pre calendar we do have a very large event in Houston and new mexico coming up uh, in August, uh, I think next week. Um, the point I would make on SGNA and I think the direction that we're trying to give here, Larry is we do expect that kind of what we experienced in Q2 in terms of um, both dollars and rate are, is kind of where you should be looking in terms of Q3. Um, you know, sg you know, is more fixed. Um, it does have some event pieces, but um, wouldn't necessarily go down versus prior year. And I will point out um, that we have the acquisition of, of the Rouse Associates and the investments inside of RBFS as well as the FX increases in costs that we would expect to continue on into Q3. Um, and um, you know, I think in terms of other costs to consider, we do expect as as conditions um, start to become you know, hopefully with the, the Delta variant, um, you know, stopping it again, um, starting to see more Event costs and a sales associate travel costs to be able to support um, to support the new events inside of Q3. So um, I would stand by our guidance that we set in the script around using Q2 as more um, the SGA guidance or um, method that you should be using for your models for Q3. Okay,
6: yep. very helpful. Thank- that's good. Thank you. And then the follow up on IMS up 34%. Just to be cl- to clarify, I assume I'm pretty sure that's that's customers that have reengaged. Is there a total units number that's relevant, or maybe we just have to wait for that as you guys give us more material, more information, and then has this re- led to any business
3: transactions yet,
6: or is that more of a 2022 event?
3: Yeah, Larry. So uh, this is where we're we're very excited. So it's organizations. So when you think about customers, they're entities. Um, which you know then uh, means obviously a significant amount of equipment. So the way we're and it's coming, you know, the answer to the second part of your question is obviously equipment is coming. Transactions are, com- you know, the, the easy buttons are all in place in the marketplace, so that when the equipment is loaded into IMS, you can literally order an inspection. You can push it um, today into. Uh, either MPE, uh, a live event, um, you know, uh, weekly featured. Uh, As of Q4, you can push it uh, into a listing service that Ritchie Brothers has, uh, so on and so forth. There's obviously all of the data that's associated with it uh, that, you know, um, kind of aggregated, anonymized data from Rouse, uh, aggregated data from Ritchie Brothers. All of that richness exists in IMS. Um, and equipment is certainly coming with that, right? That's that's how people engage or activate in, in IMS is to start loading equipment. Um, so we, uh, the plan is let's really focus on organizations um, this year, much like the yards that Jim talked about. You know, the focus was, you know, are they going to drive incremental customers? Are they going to be more, you know, very, very productive? Are they going to drive the transportation costs lower for customers? Will they bring more business? We're seeing yes. We, we like it. Um, with IMS, it's the same thing. But you know, what, what does uh, activation look like? How easy is it? How quickly can we stand up these things? So that growth rate, I wanna make sure is really resonating. Again, implies an annual growth rate of over 300%, but the growth rate is really uh, very, uh, very interesting because not only is it, uh, does it showcase the demand from customers it's actually showcasing our ability to turn this on very quickly. As you guys recall, right, we were, on the last call, we were talking about how quickly it takes to, to put a customer up and running. We're focused on that very, very much, because again, right, the longer it takes, uh, the less customers we can kind of uh, get through the throughput of activation, to then be able to focus on how many assets, uh, in my example of you have 100 in the yard, you put 10 in the sale, how, you know, we're going to be focusing starting, you know, end of this year, beginning of next year, how do we then, uh you know, work with customers to say, okay, let's get everything loaded, um, let's get, you know, the data flowing, and then turn our attention towards monetizing that, and, and so on and so forth. But really exciting. Our commitment, just like it has been, is to, as we start focusing on those things more and more, we will be putting the KPIs out, so that you guys are with us on the journey. Right now, we are almost singularly focused on this organizational activation because that is the gateway to then all of the equipment, the services, and the monetization.
6: Okay. Thanks, Ann.
4: And as a reminder, that's
1: star one for any questions, star one. Our next question will come from the line of Brian Fass from Raymond James. You may begin.
2: Thanks, good morning. Uh, just one
4: question for me. Um, just on the new buyer fee structure, um, are you able to quantify how much of an impact uh, this had in the quarter?
0: So Brian and Sharon, I'll take that. Um, I think the best way um, you know to frame it up is when we call out the fees increases inside of the 10Q, we list um, in order of size, um, You know kind of the impacts so the first driver was rouse the second driver was rbfs and then the fees impact was smaller than that um i would say that the um other pieces we did also see fee lift not just through um the increase in um the fee the fee change but if you recall we had previously waived fees on agricultural events which would have been big in the second quarter so we would have seen an uplift from that. And in addition, uh, GovPlanet, which also comes with a higher fee base, also started um, to come into, into play. So um, I don't know if that helps you frame it, but um, I would look at that to help you figure out the size of, of what the fee pickup would have been. And and we did have a 14% overall fee growth year on year, of which Rouse RBFS. And um those fees that I just talked about um would have, would have driven.
4: Okay, that's helpful. Thanks, Sharon. Thank you. And I'm not showing any further questions in the queue at this moment. Well, All right. thank you
2: for joining. Um Actually, I think we have one more question from Michael. Can we take that?
4: Of course. Michael, your line is open. Hey, guys. Yeah, thanks for uh, for for
5: letting me squeeze one in. Um, I think you mentioned this, Sharon. These, is it one-off events and uh, auctions in August? I guess it wasn't there last year. Can you just help us understand what are those one-off events again? Uh, you know, how sizable can they be? And then... Just to follow up, you know, the, the rate's been good, obviously. It, it, it's gone up year over year, quarter over quarter. Can you help us understand is 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 where we are with the rate, what's the puts and takes to think about the outlook and the trajectory on, on rate, you know, the service revenue rate, at, you know, and, and the inventory rate in the back half? Like what are some things we should be looking at that would keep, keep that rate expansion going? What are some things that could pressure it just so we could kind of have in our minds how the outlook of that could could play out in the back half? Thanks, everyone. Yeah.
3: Michael, let's say, and let me start and then I'll turn it over to Sharon for color. So to be clear, the event that Sharon spoke about, um, so uh, let me just click up and then, and, then, and then we'll talk about it. So more and more, we are moving to what we're calling regional events for the smaller events. So, you know, when you think about Uh, You know, supply demand curves. Uh, We definitively have done all the modeling that says, you know, the more supply we can bring, the more interest we generate on demand, uh, the better pricing for our customers. So we're, you know, we have a lot of confidence that, uh, you know, scale matters a lot. And obviously, Richie Brothers as the scale player. Um, so, as a result, you've seen us move to more regional events. Let me explain them and then I'll explain what's happening um, with the comment that, that Sharon made. So, instead of doing an event, let's say in, in Pittsburgh or in Maryland or in Connecticut, you saw us do, let's say, a Northeast event um, earlier this year where we linked those three yards together virtually virtually. Um, and and presented all of that supply to buyers uh, at the same time, and it drove, you know, really uh, very impressive results for our consignors. So we know that's the case. So when you hear that we're going to be reopening uh, some of our events, when we say select events for live interaction, they're the bigger events because – they can stand alone, right? If we had opened this Northeast event, what does that mean? You know, some customers are in Pittsburgh and others are in Connecticut. Like that, that's not, you know, if the purpose is interaction, that's not going to work. Unlike an event like in Orlando uh, or an event, you know, like in Edmonton, so on and so forth. So what's happening here, it's, it's not a new event. So it's a Houston sale, which we had last year as well. Um, but there's a large package that's actually offsite. So we uh, have a functionality uh, called VSO, which basically allows you that even in a single event, much like these regional sales, we can link inventory from disparate locations um, into that event. So more and more, you're going to be seeing us really when we say omni-channel, the magic of our business is we can do a Houston event. But bring inventory virtually into that event from other areas uh, of the country and, and candidly, of the world. And you're going to see us leaning more and more onto those types of uh, things. So when we say off-site, it they could be the equipment can be off-site, but the event is the same, you know, same calendaring, if you will, as the previous year, which is the case here. It's a Houston event. Um, you will also see us, uh, you know, doing some offsite events, much like ag, uh, where they're purely, you know, we kind of, uh, they're just tal based and they're just off-site, and that's how they work. So that's just an answer to the Q3 question. Your question about rate is the answer around how good we feel about the underlying business we're driving. Again, I put us back to in our control and out of our control. Supply chain disruption, out of our control. What's in our control is productivity of our folks and then getting, uh, you know, kind of um, driving incredible outcomes for our customers that then result in uh, fantastic rates for us. Um, So, in fact, uh, the things that you're seeing um, are, you know, the result of much work on the part of the organization um, to kind of uh, attach services to drive rate. Continue to grow those services. That's again, that's going to continue to drive those rates higher and higher. The pricing analysis that you heard us talk about, which we're going to do in a regular cadence, as any competitive company does. Um, you know, all of those things are going to, you know, result in a healthy business for the long term. And, and the rates you're seeing are a result of all of that hard work. Sharon, anything to add?
0: No, I think you captured it with, you know, again, just the traditional um, inventory rate pressures. Though That is an at-risk position. Pricing has been very strong. Um, you know, as, as we said, in terms of the infrastructure, we expect demand to stay um, very high. Um, however, you know, we want to be increasingly competitive on those deals. Um, so, you know, again, I think we've, we're very good at this business and, um, you know, our current performance is a rate improvement over a prior year
4: um you know we would hope that that would continue for the remainder of the year sounds good thanks everyone thank you and i'm not showing any further questions in the queue i'd like to turn the
1: call back over to the speakers for any closing remarks
3: wonderful we thank you so much for joining us this morning Um, And listening to our story, I hope the takeaway here is, uh, you know, how very excited we are about the business uh, and the journey that we're on. Uh, And thank you for being on that journey with us.
4: This concludes today's conference
1: call. Thank you for participating. You may not disconnect.